Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Punch, Kick, Choke, Chat. Uh, if you're like me, you hated the week off. Uh, I always do a lot of fun stuff on the Thursday nights, but I always wish I was here with everybody who's online with us, all our new friends tonight, and all the people we have each week. Uh, I'm so excited to be back, and uh, I, what we're going to dig into tonight is truly the history and annals of Canadian karate. It's, um, it's a real honor. I, I never introduced our main guest, but I, I'm, I'm pretty much vibrating to get at it. So I'm going to uh, do what I always do, uh, which is introduce Sensei Nicolas Suino. Uh, Sensei Suino, uh, the basics, uh, which are not basic, is that he's an eighth Dan in Iaido. He's a sixth Dan in Judo and Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. And I always like to think uh, about what Sensei Suino brings, not just to the martial arts community, but to me. And the one thing I want to throw out uh, that he talked about when he was our first ever guest on Punch, Kick, Choke, Chat is the JMAC 18. Uh, when we were off for about four or five weeks, I was working on a film project and I was so tight for time, so many days, you know, working 16 hour days. And Sensei Suino, I just wanted to say thank you because I, I did message you. Whenever I knew that I just had enough time, if it weren't for you, I probably would have just done nothing. But thanks to you, I took 18 minutes, I took uh, six exercises, and I just cranked out a great workout. And I want to thank you for that because it's not just the concept you provided, but the motivation. How are you doing tonight? Doing great. Thank you. Thanks for that introduction. You know, it just proves that ADD does have some use. Well, I have a lot of friends who... I have a lot of friends who have uh, who have gyms, right? And I, and I, go, I, I love going to their gyms, but an hour workout is like, it, the funny thing is I can go for, I can go do three hours of martial arts and, you know, and not even think about it, but to go to a gym, you know, and move mm. some kettlebells or something for an hour just grinds me. I guess I don't have the patience. So I created that for myself first and then started, you know, launching it out. And I got a bunch mm -hmm. of people that do it with me. Um, but thanks for that. You know, I use it in hotels or, you know, yeah you know, at fishing camp or whatever, if I just got a few minutes to squeeze in a workout and um, yeah, it's fun. Thanks for mentioning it. Absolutely, Sensei. Thanks for putting it out there to us. Yeah, you know, I know it always falls me to introduce uh, Randy Dauphin every every week when we do this. And um, I just got to say, it's getting harder and harder. You know, um, um, uh, Sensei Legacy, how long has Randy been studying with you? I have no idea. Okay, <laughs> you, know, you know, 30 years or something, and the problem is he's like, don't you think he should have gotten it by now? Yeah. <laughs> you, you would <laughs> and, think. You know, right? Yeah, That's I know right. he's been doing karate. He's been doing Iaido with me for, I don't know, 25. He's got to be the worst martial arts student in the, on the planet. Oh he's been studying with me for 25 years doing Iaido. <laughs> and he, he's still he's still training. Like you'd think by now he would have figured it out. Um, and, and all I know is that, you know, Randy walks around getting in fights constantly. Um, he uses horrible technique. Um, uh, uh, he's never, he's never in shape. He's got the worst diet on the planet. Everybody that hangs around him is awful. And, um, I just can't stand it. So, um, uh, uh, I don't know why I'm continually forced to, to do these, but, uh, <laughs> but seriously, um, I think, I think, I think what all, all this boils down to is I'm really pissed off because we keep doing these shows. I love these shows. We have amazing guests on there, but we can't get together and train and, you know, it's driving me crazy. So um, I've been sitting around thinking about ways to, to swim, uh, you know, uh, underneath the Detroit River uh, to, to, um, to go up to Sault Ste. Marie and, and, and swim, swim across there, uh, uh, you know, go to Niagara Falls and go over it in a barrel. 
but so far I haven't figured out a way to get from here to there and train with you guys. So uh, Randy, I miss you very much, um, but more so I miss training with you and I miss all the harebrained conversations we have. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully we can resolve that at some point, but anyway, uh, so happy to be here again and to have an opportunity to have one of these conversations. Where, where do you live, Nicholas? I live in Michigan. Oh, wow. So, so, so sometimes, um, yeah, sometimes we think that um, Canadians are honorary Michiganders, uh, hmm. but sometimes it seems like Canadians think that uh, Michiganders are honorary Canadians. I'm not sure if either of those is true, but I hear it all the time. Well, you're a pretty close neighbor. Yes, indeed. Good. Thanks for that intro, Sensei. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I will say that that's one of the things that I really like about having uh, Sensei Suino and Sensei Legacy as instructors is when you don't do something good, they don't mince their words. They just tell you it wasn't good and they tell you that they expect you to fix it. I like that personally. I also like being able to just instantly get to work on what I need to get to work on when they tell me what to work mm -hmm. on. Uh, on Sensei Suino, I miss you so much. Uh, this is the longest in our 25-year or 27-year knowing each other, training together. We've ever gone without seeing each other. This is the longest amount of time. And yeah, it's killing me. I, uh, for people on the call, it's normal for me to go once a month or twice a month to drive to Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, go on a Friday night. Sensei Suino invites me into his home. I get to be in his house with his family eat his food, hanging out with Daniel J. Holland III, who I've got his handle figured out now. Uh, <laughs> train a whole bunch of, I mean a whole bunch, like we train a whole bunch. From Friday to Sunday, we will pack in like six or eight hours of training. And then I get on the road and I drive back. And for those of you who can't get past the train tracks to get to your, to get to your dojo, it's actually not that big a deal. Whenever I get there, well, now the people at JMAC know me, but when I show up, they're like, and initially they'd be like, you drove all the way from Canada. I'm like, Canada's not that far from here, you knucklehead. It's like, <laughs> you know, where I am is only four hours to, to get here. So, and the worst part is trying to get past the border, coming back into Canada, not getting into the States, getting back into my own country. Um, Anyway, so I miss you, Sensei, and thanks for the intro. I always appreciate that. Randy, uh, when's, the, I, when's the last time you drove down to the States? Uh, it was uh, right after New Year's. I think it was January 2nd. Um, I went down to Sensei Suino's, and uh, we did a little bit of a New Year's celebration. Um, I'm not sure if I went in February. Uh, but it's, it's but, impossible now, right? Right. Well, you can fly there. You could fly over. Right, right. Right. Um, but then I'd have to quarantine for 14 days when I get back or lie yeah. about it. But, Useless. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So I have a couple of intros that I get to do tonight. I'm always excited to do them. Uh, Aren't you like see what like this? I've struggled the last couple of weeks because I'm trying to read stuff and I can't read it like I used to. Um, <laughs> but this is going to help me a lot. So... Um, uh, I get to introduce Hanshi Gary Legacy. Uh, he is a 10th degree black belt and he was awarded that rank by his teacher, Anthony Sanderball. He is a member of the Canadian Black Belt Hall of Fame. Most recently, he's an author. 
And if Sensei Batrack is uh, listening or any of the people are listening, I do have like five or six books I still have to send out. So um, one for me. Another, it's all, I would have sent it tonight, Sensei. I should have sent it with Justin. I'm sorry. But, uh, okay. but guaranteed, one's earmarked for you now. Uh, Thank you. Another thing about Sensei Legacy is he loves hockey and he loves the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we had a discussion about our crest and he said, I said, that's the most important crest to me is that one. And he said, mm, possibly the Montreal Canadiens crest. <laughs> uh, this week, it was funny because uh, I thought of two things. Him and I were laughing about it. We were once in a Waffle House in uh, North Carolina where um, it just was not an attractive person who put his food down in front of him and her thumb which I think had hair and stuff on it was in his eggs when she put it down and he just kind of looked at me and said, get out of the way. I need to go out. I've got a headache. And he just walked out <laughs> of the parking lot. Um, I also remember another time that he and I were together in Vancouver, allegedly going into a nefarious place. We we're allegedly going into a place where regular people don't go. And when the person opened the door, uh, he looked at me and said, he was a couple of steps behind me. And he looked at Sensei and looked at me and said, is that guy with you? And I said, no, no, you got it wrong. I'm with him. And the guy let us in after I said that. Um, <laughs> some of the things that I have learned from uh, Sensei Legacy that I'd like to just put out here. Obviously, I learned my basics, my 10 basics. I learned the 21 katas and the Legacy Shroudner system bunch of kabuto. I learned tons of applications and obviously I learned uh, great kumite from, from Sensei Legacy. I also had the opportunity to learn how to be a student by watching him when he was on the floor with his teachers. Uh, I learned how to be loyal from Sensei Legacy. I definitely learned how to be disciplined uh, from him. Most recently he's been teaching me how to be a teacher and how to be a better teacher. And outside of the martial arts, witnessing him, I've learned how to be a better friend to people, a better son to my parents. I've learned how to be a better brother and I've learned how to be a better father. And those are the things that most recently it just occurred to me that I've learned from Sensei Legacy. Um, moving along, I'm super excited to uh, introduce uh, Hanchi Monty Guest, who is also a member of the Canadian Black Belt Hall of Fame. Uh, he was inducted in 2009 with a couple of other people that I'm big fans of, one of them being Jean-Yves Terrio and another one being Bob Dalgleish. He was inducted with both of those people. Um, he has been presented the Masumi Soroka Lifetime Achievement Award by the Canadian Black Belt Hall of Fame, um, which that's a big uh, achievement for him because that's his sensei, the Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, he is a, a student of Masumi Soroka. Uh, he is a ninth degree black belt and founder of uh, Kaishin Karate Association in 1967. He founded that. Um, I don't know what else to say. He's a student of the father of Canadian karate since the master of Soroka, the first person to be doing traditional karate in, in Canada and probably one of the first people in North America or one of the first people outside of Japan. Um, and at that time, he, in 1958 to 1961, he was training alongside people like Shane Higashi, Benny Allen, Kwai Wong, 
uh, David Chow, George Sylvain, who's another person whose name has been mentioned, uh, Dr. Ned Page. Um, the thing I remember a lot about him is meeting him in different tournaments and at different events. Um, and uh, I read that he was known as the voice of Canadian karate um, because he always did such a great job announcing at all the different martial arts events and speaking at them. Um, he is also a good promoter and ran many great tournaments and events throughout the years. Um, I feel lucky because I've had the, the opportunity to meet Sensei Guest a number of times in seminars and we were talking about uh, just before we opened this up, but most recently, uh, Sensei Legacy and I were in Mississauga at his dojo um, where we were saying goodbye to a mutual friend, Sensei Mike Chapman. Uh, it was great to see him and see his dojo and hear all the nice things he had to say about Sensei Chapman. Um, I also mentioned that I really like what his Facebook profile says. I'm an old guy who still loves karate. I love that. Like that just makes you happy when you read something like that. Uh, uh, he was in karate probably five to 10 years before anybody that we've talked to so far on this call. Um, maybe Chuck Merriman, potentially you and he, we can talk about that when we get into this, but outside of that name, everybody else comes after uh, uh, Sensei Guest. Um, to keep something in mind, Funakoshi left Okinawa in 1922. Uh, 36 years later, in 1958, uh, Soroka Sensei opened his dojo in <laughs> Toronto. And Sensei Guest was one of the the founding students in that dojo, one of the first people to be training in that dojo. Um, that's only 36 years after karate leaves Okinawa, uh, Sensei Guest is training in karate. Um, when I was younger, I didn't understand really the position that Sensei Guest had in karate. Uh, he was a really friendly person, very supportive Sensei. And I, to me, it just seemed like everybody liked him. Whenever I was around him, everybody seemed to like him. Um, and at that time, my drive was about uh, physicality um, and, and that. And today I realized he's taught me a valuable lesson not to look past. If I could go back and tell my young self something, I would say, pay attention to that person who's devoting their life to martial arts. Pay attention to that person, not the person who's the best fighter or who can kick the highest or who's the fastest. Pay attention to that person who has devoted their entire life to karate. Uh, many people can kick and punch, but it's hard for somebody to devote themselves for a lifetime to something that's very important. Um, dedication and commitment are truly what we should all admire. And that's what I admire about Sensei Guest. Um, how many people do you know that have devoted their entire life to something for five years? Double that and say 10 years. Double that and say, how many people do you know that have devoted their life to something for 20 years? Let's just double it one more time and say 40 years and then add 20 more years to that. And that's who we're talking to tonight. Sensei Monty Guest, who's devoted his life to martial arts for 60 years. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you tonight, Sensei. Sean, take it away. <clears throat> Thank you, Sensei Dofat, and thanks for that. And Sensei Guest, I'm just going to take one second to talk to our viewers tonight. So as always, there's a question uh, 
opportunity for you all watching. There's a chat button at the bottom of your screen. Um, Tori just highlighted that. It says, please enter your questions here for Sensei Guest. You can answer any question you want, but we won't deal with it unless it's of, of some value to our conversation with our guest tonight. And I'm really excited to see the questions come in. Uh, and this, I think, is a pretty wonderful opportunity for you to, to dig back into some incredible stuff, including knowledge in the present. Uh, the other thing is, this is uh, five adults on the, on the conversation. And the whole point of Punch, Kick, Choke chat is that you as our viewers and our listeners get to witness and be privy to this chat. And uh, you may not like everything that's said. You may not like the way it's said. We don't give a shit. We really don't, but we do love that you're here. And we really uh, hope that you can put aside um, your petty foibles and join us on this beautiful journey that we get to take every week. Um, Sensei Guest, I just, you know, you you hear someone like Sensei Dolphin, who's such a, a devotee of not just the arts, but the history of the arts, introduce you with such reverence. How does it feel? A little intimidating. It makes me feel like I'm you're talking about somebody who I'm really not. <laughs> Uh, it's just I've been around mostly I've been around a long time that's my thing to claim <laughs> well so let's jump right into that sensei let's go back to the beginning um, I'm personally just so excited because of essentially your lineage and and also your own experience but you're kicking around where are you kicking around what brings you into the dojo and what keeps you there Sorry, could you, I'm, I'm not quite sure how that question is meant. Oh, so uh, it's it's the 50s, you're hanging around Toronto and you decide to walk into a dojo. What made okay. you walk in and what kept you there beyond <laughs> one or two nights? Okay, I understand. Well, actually I was living in Vancouver uh, prior to coming to Toronto uh, where I started karate. And uh, I was interested in... Uh, learning martial arts because I had a book by Nishiyama and Brown. That was the very first book that was out on karate. And uh, I was reading it and studying it, me and my brother, Nathan. And uh, we were trying to learn karate out of that book. And we did it for about six months and we thought we were pretty good. You know, but learning out of a book, you can't do it. And uh, then I uh, moved from Vancouver to Toronto and I was down in Parkdale one day in a in the summer, walking by uh, Queen Street, and uh, I heard all this noise up above me, a bunch of yelling and screaming. I went, what the hell is that? I said, it sounds like people key-eyeing. I didn't know there was a karate club in Canada. I went roaring up the steps, and I went into this place, and there's a big sign that said, Karate School, Soropa Karate, and I just fell in love, and I joined. It, uh, it, so, it was so an amazing were... event. You'd learned enough from the book to know what the sound you were hearing was and be drawn to it. Yes, actually, I'll tell you, it was so funny because in Vancouver, uh, we hung around with some some people that people may say were a little undesirable. <laughs> and uh, things used to happen once in a while when you were young or a teenager. And uh, me and my brother were, and another gentleman, we were learning karate out of this book, had no idea. We were in stances that were weird, uh, doing punches. And uh, we got in a little beef with some people at a, down at the beach. And they were, we were a little bit outnumbered and we started to get into a fight. We went into these karate stances and believe it or not, we got into the stances and these guys looked at us and sort of said, what the hell? And they turned and walked away. It was like, whoa, this stuff really works. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was, it was. Uh, it was, at, at that moment, I knew I had to learn karate. It was just, uh, I had to be in it. 
That's awesome. So you walk up these steps. And by the way, I'm talking to you from Toronto right now. And I used to live on Roncesvalles and in Parkdale. And uh, I just love that neighborhood. I'm just above Lansdowne right now. And um, yeah, and so you walk up, you see what's going on, who's there, what's it smell like, what's it taste like, what makes you say, this is what I'm going to do for 60 more years? Or did that happen later? Well, it was happened the first day I went up there because I was so intrigued by karate just by watching, uh, reading the book and learning a little about it. I, I wanted to get tougher, simple thing. I, I wanted to be a better fighter. I wanted to learn how to beat people up really, really good. And that was in my heart. I just wanted to be a tough guy. And I went up there and I said, this is for me. And I looked at it and Soroka Sensei was there. His wife, Kate Soroka was there. And the class was just getting started. Uh, it was an evening class. And I came in, I said, can I join? Can I join? And he said, sure, you can join. Uh, and he said, you know, come back uh, uh, the next day, I think it was. And uh, I came back and I, I, I don't want to make the story too long, but I, I came back the following day and I said, can I join? He said, sure. He said, sit there at the side of the club and, uh, and watch. And I said, really? He said, yeah, you watch the class and then I'll let you join. And uh, I sat there for the whole class. He said, uh, okay, you're finished now. He said, now go on the floor with the people with the rag and help clean the floor. I said, wow, this is neat. And I said, okay, and can I join? He said, come back the next class. I came back the second class, same thing. Watch the class, sit on the side of the bench, class is over, help with the rags, washing the floor. And I said, can I join now? He said, nope, third class, same thing. And I said, this is stupid. When am I going to join? But I was very polite, well-mannered. And after the third time of doing that, he said, you can join for the next class. Just come in, bring your $15, because it was $15 a month, and uh, pay my wife, and you can get your membership, and we'll get you a uniform. And you know, I mean, So, I mean, I had to do something to show I was able to yeah. get in there. He didn't just take people off the street. You know, it wasn't like in Gung Fu, you have to carry those big, you know, pots with boiling things and get, you know, I, you know, I had to wash floors for three nights, but for me that sort of, I guess, showed him that I, I wasn't just an ordinary walk in off the street guy. I had a little bit of loyalty to it. It's pretty neat. I, love I, that. I won't forget that. I hope everybody listens to that, Sean. Like, I hope everybody listens to that. Those first three nights in karate, we should bring that back. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. Um, Sensei, did, but I, I'm really excited to get to Sensei Soroka, and then I know I want to turn it over to Sensei Dolphin to ask about uh, your contemporaries and the people who came in just after you. But did any of your stuff from Vancouver? I mean, was it? Did Sensei look at it and go, "That's laughable," or was it like, "Wow, you actually like, you know, what what did that feel like when you had to put the thing you learned out of a book onto the floor?" Well, none of it came out because I was doing nothing correct. Because mm -hmm. a book is is you know it's. It's, it's only two dimensional, you know, it's not three, you can't see angles or distances or, so basically I never said I did anything. I would have been embarrassed and he never saw that I did anything because I was pretty useless, but <laughs> I, I learned, I learned very quick and I worked very, very hard. And as uh, the words came out earlier, I was very, very loyal. That word loyalty to me in karate is the most important. Mm. And, uh, but I, I learned very quickly and I worked very, very hard. Yeah. So to the people watching, part of the reason I'm so giddy about this is that we're talking about if you got here late, 
the father of Canadian karate, period. So what can you tell us about him? What can you tell us about what type of a teacher Stroka was, what he made you do, uh, how he made you feel, that kind of thing. I'd love to taste that dojo, and, and I wish I could take a time capsule back there with you. Well, he was a phenomenal person. You know, he was he was like a father figure to me as well as a, an instructor. He was a friend to me as well. He was all things to me. And as far as karate, he was very, very tough, very strict, very hard. But he had one quality that a lot of instructors don't have. He liked humor. If, you know, in the middle of a class, you'd be working your, yourself to the bone. He'd be killing you with techniques and hitting you. And then he'd crack some silly joke where everybody would just crack off and he would just laugh. So there was always humor in there. It was never so dry that it was strictly, you know, he had a sense of humor and he was a warm person, but uh, his abilities to teach were phenomenal. Uh, everything that I learned about teaching was from watching him and practicing with him. So, yeah, you, you would have, I'm lucky I had that experience. I'm very fortunate. And how much, how much fighting were you doing back then? Uh, we did a fair amount of sparring. Uh, we started doing a lot of sparring, but there was no equipment back then. There was no such thing as safety gear, head gear, foot gear. Uh, it was all barefoot, bare hands and nothing on your head. So uh, we did that for a good number of years. There was a period where we tried to spar with uh, kendo. You ever see the kendo gear? Yeah. It's like padding all over your shoulders, arms, legs, groin. And you wear a big steel helmet with the padding and protecting your neck as well, uh. you know, to avoid getting hit with the... Uh, uh, Shanai or with the sword and uh, we used to spar with that on and go pretty well full contact the only problem was with the helmet very hard to see yeah. like you could you had blind spots so eventually we got tired of those blind spots and we started going back to the regular sparring and then we eventually started getting into equipment later on after a number of years and we, we did a fair amount of fighting um, Sensei Dauphin, I want to kind of flip it over to you because I, I just think you're so well versed in, in uh, who you want to hear about from that time. And I, I, I want to give you the chance to ask those questions. Well, I think I'm well versed in it, but that doesn't mean that I am. But it's funny when uh, Sensei Guest is talking about the kendo gear, it makes me think about two of my seniors in karate, uh, Wayne Bear and Scott Barron. And uh, Wayne Bear was an umpire in, in baseball. And he put like the umpire uh, face mask on and uh, uh, Sensei Byron gave him a crack in the face and caved it all, caved it all in on, it, on his head. <laughs> anyway, that's what it made me think of. <laughs> uh, before we get into any of your, your uh, peers, uh, Sensei guests and the people that you were training side by side with, I wonder like, do you wanna, or not, do you wanna share any personal memories? You said, uh, uh, since Soroka was like a father figure to you, um, you know, since Legacy is like a father figure to me, so you and I have that in common. Um, of course. And, you know, I can, uh, I told the, the funny things about Sense Legacy as we were logging in, going into some nefarious places. Uh, what were some of the things that you and Sense Soroka did together that you were, you feel are very special and you're super proud of that you did with him? Well, we did a lot of training together separately when, you know, when he had the opportunity. I spent a lot of time with him uh, at his home. Uh, we used to go smelt fishing together a lot. He loved fishing down at the, at the docks down on Cherry Street. We'd go there and smelt fishing, you know, at midnight, Saturday, come back and he'd 
get his wife to cook it all up. Uh, we would, it, there was just so many things. Uh, we'd put on demonstrations. I would help him with many demonstrations. I had dinners at his house, uh, celebrations at his house. Um, it was basically consuming. My whole lifestyle was basically around karate. And uh, just it's all starting to come back now and understand how much it was in my life. Yeah. Thanks for that, Sensei. Um, how about when you joined, uh, you know, your name is often mentioned with a lot of other names. And I just wonder when you walked in and there were people like Kwai Wong and Benny Allen and uh, Ned Page and these people who uh, yourself and these other people went off to kind of be the people who uh, helped to spread karate. Uh, do you have any memories of what it was like when you first came in and those people that you are with and what was it like? I was in awe. I saw people mm. doing things that I didn't think I could ever do. And a lot of things I still can't do, but I tried very hard. But there was some, the, the person that was out there helping and teaching a lot was a gentleman called Shane Igashi. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was one of my idols back then. I don't have too many idols, uh, but he was one of them. He was a real karate man. Strict, very dedicated, could do anything. Uh, but there were a lot of other people in that. I can give you, I, I made a few notes. Can I read off of them or? Please. Yes. Please. Yeah, I'd, I'll give you a list of some of the students when I first joined. As you said, there was that gentleman, Ned Page. Did you know about him? Uh, just through rumors and stories. But Okay, well, Ned Page, because you mentioned his name, I'll, I'll mention it again. He was a, a black belt. He was one of the, he was a black belt before me, but he was an optometrist. He had a, an opt optical practice on Young Street near Dundas. And he was a good black belt. He was a good businessman. But when he was still training, he developed something called Wendo, which if you look in the history of martial arts, Wendo was something that was a, a martial art strictly for women, for self-defense. And I think he patterned it after something that was running there. It was called Defendo. It sounds hokey pokey, but Defendo was something by a gentleman named uh, uh, Bill. Uh, oh, man. I'm starting to lose names. Anyway, this gentleman was an army guy. He trained in the army for self-defense and he developed a self-defense system and Ned Page developed it after that and he taught it only to women. So uh, he was a, a very important part of karate. He's, he passed away very young though, unfortunately. But other students in there, uh, Bob Dalglish was on the floor when I first joined and he was like the Gojuru leader. Uh, Benny Allen trained there. Him and I trained many, many times. And I know that's a special name to you, uh, Sensei Legacy. Absolutely, and, yes. And I could tell you stories, which I hope maybe a weekend as we go along about Sensei Benny. And there was uh, oh, Koi yes. Wong, another amazing person. Uh, he, he was running uh, Wong's Karate Kung Fu. He's still going. Tony Facetti used to uh, train there with us. Actually, Tony, Tony, uh, do you, you guys know Tony Facetti? I do. He red flagged me one time. <laughs> he punched me in the face. He punched me in the face, and then I saw my feet out in front of me. Yeah, he was a he was a, a fairly handy guy. Oh yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, he uh, he was there, and actually uh, Tony got his yellow belt with me because when he trained, he was I think about uh, eleven years old when he first started with me in the kids class, 
So he first trained with me and he trained for, for a fair length of time. But uh, he was in the class, Tony, uh, a gentleman by the name of Ron Forrester, who was the, uh, the head of the Canadian Jiu-Jitsu Association. He was training with us. Of course, Shane Higashi, uh, David Soroka, Sensei's son was there. Uh, so many notable people that have gone in different directions were all in that classroom at the same time. But the, the person I was the closest with in training was Benny and uh, Koi Wong. We sort of had a friendship and Koi Wong was basically my training partner. And uh, Koi, Koi had a history. He learned uh, uh, Kung Fu from his father when he was a child. And then he came to Soroka's and learned karate. And pretty formidable opponent. But uh, yeah. And then we used to also have students coming in from uh, from Montreal to Quebec and Ottawa. They all trained there with us. Fern Clarou, Andre Langelier, George Sylvain. We had gentlemen come all the way from Rochester. Uh, Jim Marillillo. And we had Tug Wilson from Winnipeg. Bill Dermitrich. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Bill Dermitrich is the head of the uh, Chitaru in the United States. Mm. He used to come down every weekend and train with us. But uh, there was just so many. I, I can't name them all, but <clears throat> very interesting place to be at that time. Uh, yeah. Is, can I ask, who is Benny Allen's partner? <laughs> Benny Allen was a loner. <laughs> he had no... He, well, he teamed, he teamed up with Koi Wong. Yeah. yeah. Because him, Benny Allen and Koi Wong, when they were training, uh, they left Soroka's and they opened up Eastern Karate. That's and that was I just think. shortly after they both got their black belts. I think they've been a black belt for years. And they went down. Uh, do you remember a club called uh, uh, Eastern that was on Hagerman in Toronto? Uh, I just remember when he um, was on the beaches. Oh, right, right. Okay, well, they opened up a club that was right behind the City Hall in Toronto. You know, those big buildings, the new City Hall with those yep. curved buildings. Yep. They yep. opened up. There's a street right behind it, closer to Dundas. It's called Hagerman. And Benny and Koi ran Eastern Karate there. In fact, I had some old posters from them that I gave Sam Molenski, and uh, he was doing something on them, and uh, I, I was showing him. And uh, they ran the karate club down there, and they used to run dances there every uh, Friday and Saturday night when the club was closed. And that was a real hoot watching uh, Benny and Koi and uh, other such notable people making sure nobody caused a problem at their dances. It was, <laughs> it, it was quite cool. But, but yeah, I'd say Koi would have been the closest one. And then later on, Tony Facetti was very, very close with him. Uh, but basically, Tony, uh, Benny was a loner. And uh, I, trained, I trained with him quite a bit. Hmm. But he was, he was not, he was a little unusual. I named uh, my son... Benjamin is named after Benny Allen. I named him after Benny Allen. Well, Benny was a, a real innovator. He learned a lot of things. He learned the Goju system. He learned Chito system. He used to do a lot of training in the Chinese system. And that's where I think he learned an awful lot of the, all the power he used to possess because he was a very powerful guy. Okay. And he showed things to me that he could do that I tried to learn from Benny. Uh, and I learned some of them, but uh, he had a tremendous amount of power. And uh, he was one of the only Caucasian guys at that time that was really accepted in Chinatown. 
So after workouts, we would go to a place called the Golden City Restaurant. That was where all the martial arts guys hang out. It was on Dundas uh, near Bay Street. And then after the meal, we'd go to some of these Chinese clubs. And I couldn't get in without Benny. And uh, everybody in Chinatown uh, knew Benny. He was, a, he was a fixture there. Amazing man. Amazing. And I know your, your uh, Sensei Gary, I know your history was with him. Uh, you were very fortunate to be around a man like that because he taught a lot. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, Sensei Dofen, is there anything you want to crack open there? Because I know that that's, that's someone who's obviously very near and dear to you as well. Yeah, I just don't want to go into a rabbit hole of things that aren't about uh, sense of guests, right? That yeah. we need to keep this focused on on him and not about everybody else. So, uh, well, but sense, I'm super grateful. Sensei, sensei Benny Allen was part of me. He was me because he was one of my teachers. So I, I don't mean to you know put words, change your words, but uh, when I talk about people like that, it's an honor for me to talk about it because uh, they made me who I am as a person. So. I understand what you're saying, uh, um, Sean. Yeah, you, you know, Sensei Guest, the thing about uh, you and Benny Allen was, okay, for, for anybody who's watching this, when the internet started, right? Like when the internet started and I figured out that you could Google a name and I started trying to punch names in karate, Gary Legacy karate, Benny Allen karate. The one thing I will say is whenever you punch in, there are certain names that whenever you punch them in, they come up together. Your name always comes up with Benny Allen's name. Always. It always comes up with Kwai Wong's name. Always. Wow. Bob Delgleish and your name always come up. They always come up. I did it today. I typed in your name in karate. Benny Allen's name came up. Kwai Wong's name came up. So did Bob Delgleish's name. And obviously said Sisroka's name. Like it almost to me seems like you guys are all kind of, well, because you're pioneers, there was nobody else. That's it. It was you and Ned Page and Tony Facetti. The, these people that you're talking about, there wasn't anybody else. It was you guys. That's who it was. Yeah, karate was different back then. And I, and I think, uh, Sensei Gary, you know, even in 71, things were a lot different. Yes. You know, they, uh, back then in 61, uh, most people, if you said you did the karate, they'd go, whoa, karate, let me see your hands. Whoa, can you break a brick? Uh, and I said, oh. And it was like, you know, like ancient Chinese secret, yeah. you know, uh, and it was really different. So uh, when you took karate back then, you had to sort of sometimes try not to tell people that you took karate because they, they would drive you nuts asking all the stupidest questions in the world or mm. saying, hey, look at this guy. Hey, don't worry if there's a fight tonight here at the bar, guys. Monty's here. He'll handle it. <laughs> Bullshit. Monty's the closest guy to the door. <laughs> you know, so, uh, but it was like that it was like there was nobody else around teaching karate back then so it was very very new to people and uh, they were in awe if you said you were a black belt they thought you were god i mean people you know even cops if you got stopped by a cop driving because you were speeding too much if you're coming home from the dojo and you had your gi on and maybe you got out of your vehicle to see the cop and he said oh, black belt oh my god i mean and they they would not charge you with anything because you were a black belt. I'm serious. They were, they were in <laughs> awe of it, and uh, things were different. You had to, you had to be special. You couldn't, uh, rather than brag about it, it was more to the point where you would keep it privately. Nowadays, uh, everybody's a black belt. 
you know, there's <laughs> black belts everywhere. There's what? There's six, six and a half billion people in the world, and I think there are seven billion black belts. Yeah. <laughs> one, one billion are under the age of eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, and they're all they're all fourth dance. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> no, I, it was it was a lot different back in those days, but uh, very very exciting. Hey Sensei, before we get too far away from your um, your early days with Soroka Sensei. Um, you mentioned his wife, and I remember, you know, from my uh, time in Japan training with my mentor, Yamaguchi Sensei, his wife played a huge role in my experience. Um, could you talk about that a little bit? How was her relationship with her husband? Oh, How was her relationship with the dojo? You know, what did she do mm. to enhance it for you? She ran the dojo. I mean, that dojo would not be around if it wasn't for her, because Soroka Sensei was a crummy businessman, <laughs> like I used to be all my life. And uh, it wasn't for her, that dojo wouldn't be there. Mm. You know, Soroka would say, hey, listen, don't worry. You can't pay this month. Pay me next month. Uh, you got your car broke down. You can't pay. He would be taken advantage of a lot. He was just that kind of a guy. And she was like an iron fist. You couldn't get past. I couldn't get past her at all. You know, you didn't put your $15 down to pay for your month, get your card stamped. You didn't go on the floor. Mm. And she made all the right decisions for Sensei. Uh, she helped uh, teach because she was a she was the first lady black belt in Canada, mm. and she helped to teach. She helped to run the business part. Uh, she helped him make a lot of right decisions, which a lot of our wives do for us, right? <laughs> and uh, no, yeah. she was. Uh, we we just laid them both to rest about uh, five, six. Oh no, about four or five months ago. Oh. Soroka Sensei died in 2014. Mm -hmm. uh, Kate Soroka died in uh, 20, I guess 2019. So it's been more than. And uh, we had Soroka Sensei's ashes, and we had uh, Kate Soroka's uh, ashes, and uh, David and uh, his son, and the wife and the kids and all that. We uh, I was lucky enough to get invited with them. We all went to one of these places where you put the urns in the wall was up in the northern part of Toronto. And we put them both together and uh, now they're together forever. So yeah, she was instrumental, instrumental in shaping karate, uh, uh, Nicholas. It wasn't Thank for you. her. Thank you. Yeah, for it sure, wasn't man. for her. I probably, the club would have folded and I wouldn't have been here and a lot of us wouldn't have been here. <laughs> um, that's great to hear. Thanks. Thanks for all that. Um, quick question before we kind of keep moving through some of the history. When you talk about that time being different and all of the old masters who've come on here have said the same, what would be something you'd wish to see in dojos today that's, that's somehow not evolved into 2020? What's something that's missing that, that your workouts or your time in the dojo included? First thing, loyalty. Second thing, a commitment. Uh, you know, people use karate now as a, uh, like a pit stop. Mm. I'll put my two years, three years, four years in, I'll get all this stuff and then I'm gone. Uh, the commitment is not there, but I think the loyalty, I guess I'm going to just hammer that over and over and over. Because if I ever wanted something back again in martial arts, it'd be the fact, the loyalty, because you teach people, you teach, you put all your life into helping them and they just throw you to kick you to the curb. It's, it's human nature. I'm not angry at those people. I just wish that there was more people like we had back then. We were very loyal. 
very loyal. And a lot of us are still showing our loyalty by being in it. Fete, can I ask you, do you think unless you teach, you can know about that? You know, do you think if you're not a teacher, you can know truly what it's like? Like, I know when I started teaching and then some of my students did things, it made you feel a certain way. And it made me think about Sense of Legacy and think, oh, my God, like how many people did that to him? Right? Oh, lots. Lots did that to him. I don't even have to ask him. He's a teacher. And I'm a teacher. And you're right. You, you wouldn't know that unless you were a teacher, uh, 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 Randy. You wouldn't know that. Because as a, unless you were really sharp, you were a student, and you could sort of read between the lines and see it out on the dojo and listen to it. But mostly, if you were a teacher, then you know a lot of people just use it as, I use the word pit stop. They're in and they're out. Uh, but to me, the, the loyalty, because once in a while, you get a loyal student, and I'm sure uh, uh, sense of legacy can say it and it's a wonderful feeling and it's something that you you can't teach you have to have it you know. um by the uh, way from so, yeah i just want to mention uh uh to sense of guests that on the call a couple of people i didn't call out in the beginning uh hunchy john terrian's on the call paying attention oh wow and, yeah as well hunchy caesar burkowski is on the call Sensei Conrad Koblen and Sensei Doug Nipsel. And I know all of those people are big supporters of yours. And, and this probably, I think we have more haunches on this call than any of the other calls previously. So. Wow. Well, Caesar's, yeah, I was looking at the uh, Facebook and he said he was going to tune in later, but that's great. Well, Caesar was part of our early days at Sorokas. He was one of the original guys from very beginning and uh, he helped to teach down at the uh, South Y, the Jewish YMCA at Bloomer's Bedina. He was teaching there with uh, uh, Sensei Dave Usher, who was one of my dearest friends, and he was Caesar's first in instructor. And uh, that was all out of the karate dojo from Sorokas. And uh, yeah, so Caesar, hi, I know you're sitting there, and uh, thanks for tuning in, and thanks for everything you did in the old days. And we Ooh. can talk about Sensei Dave Usher. He was a, a real inspiration to all of us. Well, let's well, jump we, into, yeah. Well, I just want to say when we had Hachi Burkowski on, he uh, he mentioned Sensei Guest that you were his senior and that you helped him cut his teeth in karate and you helped him um, when he first started. Yeah, he was, uh, he was running a club. I believe his first club was at uh, Oakwood and uh, St. Clair. And uh, we were good friends back then because he used to visit me at my club on uh, Eglinton uh, and uh, Marley area. Mm. And uh, we, we sort of assisted him. He needed some things or some forms or some equipment or some certain things. We had extras. We helped him and we helped him move things and bring things over. Any, any kind of support because he was a young kid back then. He was very eager, a nice young man. And uh, he was one of my friends and we helped him as much as we could. So and it, it helped because uh, he became who he is and he's been very good for karate in Canada. He's done a lot for karate. So he was an integral part of Taroka's dojo as well. He's got a question for you. And uh, that question is um, from Hanchi Cesar Burkowski. Nice to have you on board, uh, Hanchi. In your 60 years of martial arts, who are the individuals who left a lasting impression for you? For me? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I'll tell you. Hold it. 
back into my notes. <laughs> you can tell how old I am. I'm straining with my eyes and I have to write everything. I have notes everywhere. I have notes on the wall, on the mirrors, on the fridge, and my dashboard. <laughs> I don't have notes. I don't exist. <laughs> do this. Don't do this. Okay, people who are inspirational to me. Yeah, and have well, left a lasting impression. Okay, I, I, I knew that question would come, so I made a little note here because uh, there's a difference between admiration and inspiration. There's many people in karate that I admire, but I don't get my inspiration from them. That doesn't mean that I really appreciate who they are. I really admire them, I like them, and I'm glad they're around me. But there's people that inspire me, the list is mm. very small because they actually did something for me and taught me and built me up. The, the first person, of course, would be Soroka Sensei. And uh, even though our time at one point was broken apart because of politics, I left him for a, a while and then I came back. But without Soroka Sensei, I wouldn't be still in karate. Uh, sensei Shane Higashi was the best teacher I've ever seen in my life. Mm. The man could do anything. And he was my idol. I wanted to be as good as him. And every night I finished, I wanted to be like him. Uh, never quite got there, but I tried very hard. Uh, Koi Wong was another person who inspired me. He was my training partner back then. Him and I went to a lot of tournaments together. Uh, we drove to the States together and competed together. And he also helped me a lot because he taught me about uh, hand conditioning. Back in the old days, we did a lot of things to condition your hands. Uh, maybe not very bright, but uh, it was part of learning how to break things. And uh, Koi taught me how to use these things with sand and pebbles and chickpeas and how to stroke with your fingers in, how to hit with your knuckles. Your... And uh, he taught me a lot about the hand conditioning and he taught me a lot about uh, how to fight. He was just hell of a And then other people were, of course, Benny Allen, very much an inspi inspiration to me. Uh, one of the toughest guys I've ever seen in my life. And he could do things. I, I could go and speak about for hours about Benny. And, uh, but he was nice enough to be my friend, nice enough to take me with him and put me under his wing. And because of that, I met a lot of people and learned a lot of things. Uh, Bob Dalglish was then, he was an inspiration. Tony Facetti, he was an inspiration because uh, he was just Tony Facetti, tough guy. No other way to describe him. Uh, another person that used to be part of that time was Sam Wong. Uh, I don't know if many people know Sam Wong. He was uh, with the Hong Luck Kung Fu Club and I could talk for hours on his accomplishments. Uh, Mo Chow. He was another person around in those days that was helped me considerably. Uh, Ron Forrester, who was the president of the Canadian Jiu-Jitsu Association. Uh, Kometa, Takeshi Kometa. He used to be part of my early days. He was the Aikido teacher, the mm. father of Canadian Aikido. Larry Nakamura was one of my inspirations. He was the father of Canadian Kendo. So some of these great people were around and uh, just to watch them and talk to them and listen to them and learn from them. Uh, tons of inspiration. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't really learn a lot from other people. I do. 
but there's a special thing with these people because they were all real masters. And uh, the influence was great, just great, amazing. Brings back a lot of memories. Yeah. Um, a question that uh, came in, and I think this is from Tori, who's running our, our show tonight. Uh, can you describe some of the hurdles you've overcome in martial arts? Uh, how did you recognize that the hurdles were an issue? And what did you do to overcome them? Uh, the hurdles were mostly of how you run the dojo. Back in the early days, it wasn't so much a business. It was a way of life. And a lot of times, uh, the clubs back then, uh, and at one point, we had like five Kaishin clubs. Uh, we were one of the first groups to go out and have more than one club. And uh, they never did that well because I was, I was too soft at the, in the office, getting mm -hmm. money from people, uh, enrolling people properly. Uh, I learned how to do it a little bit better. And I learned that as of today, you have to do 70% business and 30% karate. And if you don't do that, you'll fail. And that doesn't mean that that 30% karate is not going to be terrific. You can put out a hell of a good product, a really good product, but you still have to do 70% business. Otherwise, you'll never pay the bills. You'll never make a living. You'll never support your family. So a lot of those things I learned the hard way. I was, I was, I was the guy eating hamburger when I went home at night. And most of my students always had steaks and wines and stuff. And uh, I never figured it out <laughs> until a lot later. But those were the biggest hurdles. The other hurdles were just trying to do a good job of teaching, trying to make sure that I promoted karate in a proper way, uh, trying to find the time to do all the things that I wanted to do with tournaments, demonstrations. Uh, those, But they weren't big hurdles. The biggest, like you say, if you will use the word hurdle, was trying to stay alive and raise a family and put out a good product, which somehow I did. So, yeah, Sensei Dofan. I just, I can't. I'm since it guessed you're sitting there. I feel like there's a whole bunch of history, like right behind your head. I keep trying to strain to look at these <laughs> pictures behind you uh, because I think you strategically picked your location to do um, the interview tonight and the chat. And I just wondered behind you, those pictures, is there anything you want to say about those pictures? I think one is you and Sensei Soroka. Um, yeah, those, I, those are I'm, just, my wife put that up because I've, I've got a little small home dojo in here now. And uh, I have my certificates, my pictures, my uh, sayings and all the calligraphies. And, so the dojo is beautiful. And this is just a little room that my wife fixed up. So after workouts or before workouts. So those are a bunch of old historic pictures up there. They're, they're pretty neat. Uh, I don't know exactly which ones are there. I recognize the one that Sensei Soroka doing that flying sidekick. I've seen that like so many times. Yeah, that's a that's a very famous picture. Hold on here. Oh, my legs. Uh, and I think Benny Allen's in the picture next to that, right? Like that that picture of the group of people. The group picture, yeah, Benny's in there. And this picture over here, that's a picture when we did the security for Prime Minister Diefenbaker. Mm. That picture there is a picture in Montreal when we presented uh, Justin of uh, Justin Pierre Trudeau with a black belt, and that's with uh, Sensei Bill Dimitrich, the head of the Chitaru in the States. 
Here's a picture of us working out at the CNE grounds in early 62. We used to go there every Sunday and work out outside. And that was pretty historic. Uh, there's the first CNE demonstration up there. And there's one of the things where we had all the founding members of all the different styles together. And over there is a shot of me getting beat up by Bill Wallace. <laughs> but these are, I've got so many. Yeah, I've got so many. I mean, I've got so many pictures. It's incredible. And I can't put them all up uh, because I don't have room. So my wife was nice enough uh, to uh, to put up something that looked sort of, you know, nice and good memories up there. But there's so many pictures uh, there. I guess once you start thinking back, and now I'm starting to understand a little bit about what you're saying, Randy. That I guess there's a lot of history that we don't know about ourselves. And, uh, you know, uh, since Gary, you know that. You've got pictures and souvenirs for, for 50 years. There's a lot of stuff there. And all the people that are watching that have been around, the history is there. And it's really nice. Nice to be part of history. Nice to still be alive, too. <laughs> So, so Sensei, let me ask you something. So, you and I are both wearing our club shirts. I've got my uh, karate versus everyone uh, <laughs> legacy shirt on, and I see you've got your Kaishin shirt on. Yes. Why did you choose that name? Why did you choose Kaishin for the name of your club that you were going to carry forward? How, well, how did you come up with that logo? What What's the history behind that? Well, we, uh, when we first started the club, what had happened, see, there was a lot of politics sometimes in martial arts where things don't go right and it's hard. That's when I broke away from Soroka Sensei, not because I didn't respect him and didn't love him and didn't want to be part of it. I had to break away because uh, a lot of the politics came to Canada from Japan. Mm. And they tried to influence the Canadian mm -hmm. karate to be like the Japanese karate to the point where we weren't Canadians anymore and we didn't have our own identity. I won't go into it, but those politics were very bad for a lot of guys like me. So we decided that we couldn't be part of that and we decided to open up our own dojo. So I was running a, uh, a, a Soroka dojo at that time, uh, one of his branches, and I just said, Sensei, I can't part of it uh, we took the crest off and we designed our own name we, we just went through a japanese dictionary and came up with the name uh, we went through all kinds of words and we decided open kaishin means open mind and uh, we had a competition from all of our nice. black belts and students to design a logo and uh, one of the guys from the club up in bolton uh, <laughs> he designed a logo and it's a man with a what it is, is the opening movement from Hinan Yodan. Yeah. You do the double block and it's in a stance. And that, that logo is uh, representative of Hinan Yodan. So we put the name Kaishin, Open Mind, and the logo, and that was it. And we did, we were pretty successful. We, we had a good group. Sensei, what I was it like, sorry, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, yeah. awarding the black belt? <laughs> What's going on? What's going on there? What do you want us to tell us about that? Like, you and Sensei Legacy have different experiences with uh, Prime Minister yeah. Pierre Elliott Trudeau, but... Well, at that point, when we were... That was in Montreal. I can't remember the exact date. <clears throat> but there was a big uh, tournament going on. 
uh, I was one of the referees there. And uh, Sensei Rick Joslin, he's in that picture as well. Mm. Uh, this this uh, Fern Clear in the middle, uh, Sensei uh, Joslin on one side, I'm on the other side. And Trudeau, Prime Minister, is there. He got his black belt. It's an honorary black belt. But at that time, he was a brown belt uh, in judo. And he was a pretty accomplished brown belt in judo at that time. Uh, so he was very interested in the martial arts. He stayed through a whole tournament. Him and his wife, uh, Margaret, were sitting in the front row. And we got a chance to meet him, shake hands with him. And of course, that wonderful picture, which I treasure, uh, nothing to do with politics, but it was nice to be able to, mm. to be in the same ring with him. And uh, we presented to him and uh, he was very thrilled. Yeah, I don't. I know you said you didn't want to get into politics, but I'd really like to see Sensei Suino do judo with his son, Justin Trudeau. I'd like to see those two do judo together. I think. It'd be <laughs> oh, so just so I know what I'm laughing at, like, does he actually have any judo training, or you just want to see him get his ass kicked? What? Yeah. <laughs> the latter. The latter, Sensei Suino. Just, oh, Justin. Justin. Yeah. Uh, I no, not you, Justin. The other one. The famous one. <laughs> uh, no, he. Uh, I, I I can't really say for sure, but I don't think. Uh, you know, I watched him with his boxing match that he had with the one of the uh, senators that mm -hmm. was a uh, native Indian guy, and uh, man, he got punched out. But uh, I think I think they made him look as good as they could. You know, you you can't humiliate a person of his stature, and uh, but you know, as far as judo, no, he's. Uh, He's sunk. He's done. <laughs> um, Sensei, I just want to jump into something real quick. And, and again, uh, no politics you want to get into about the J Japan stuff. If you could leave all that. But it's funny we're talking about Pierre Trudeau. And you mentioned something that I think is really interesting, especially given your place in the timeline of martial arts, which is Canadian identity. Right? You're talking like that's the first time I've heard that term in relation to karate and that you actually said, and it's interesting with someone like Sensei Soroka, who's got that Okinawan Japanese, he's sort of, uh, you know, in some of my research, some people claim him on both in both places. And then for him to come to Canada and whatever that politics was for, for you and some of your ilk to go, no, we need a Canadian identity. What does that mean to you? And and thanks for that, by the way. But what does that mean? And 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 what what was the Japanese Okinawan, not necessarily political, but um, identity that you want to not be part of? Well, you see, it's hard for the Japanese people to go against Japanese customs and traditions. Uh, they don't like you know losing face. Mm -hmm. They have to go by what the Japanese cultures do. You can't just fight against it. And eventually, they started. Uh, I don't know how to put this. There's Japanese high rank guys used to come to Canada, be part of our dojo, help us with the gradings and be part of it. They just bully us around a bit. And they made us try to do everything they did. And they didn't really appreciate how we did it. And I guess I was one of the first ones to break away. Uh, well, no, maybe Shane Higashi might have done that before me. I don't know 100% his reasonings, but I broke away from it because. That what, what did it for me is I went for a grading with a bunch of my uh, future black belts and we had them up there grading. And while they were being tested, uh, some of the Japanese people that had come to Canada were watching them. And instead of watching them and paying attention and respecting the students who were training, uh, they were joking and giggling and laughing and sort of not really showing respect. Mm. And 
you know, to make a long story short, at that point I said, listen, Sensei, I'm 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 out of here. I can't be part of this. Uh, I want to be able to teach in Canada. I'm Canadian. I've never been to Japan. I actually I just got there last year with Scott Ogarth. That was beautiful. But anyway, uh, the Canadian identity. And what happened is that Soroka did the same thing. After a number of years, when I wasn't with him at that point, uh, he got away from being part of the All Japan Karate Association. That was that crest with those two hands that look like they're sideways like this with a little thing in the center. And that was called the All Japan Karate Association. Uh, and uh, he got away from there and he developed Soroka Karate, which was mm. all Canadian style. And it was a Canadian association backed by the Canadian government. So Soroka in his way uh, gave the Canadian style or look or feel to, to karate in Canada. So he he got away from that as well. And, you know, I'm not making bad remarks about Japanese mm -hmm. ways or customs, because it, you know, but but eventually you have to have your own identity. And, and Canada does. I mean, some of the people look, listening in on this program, they're very proud of being part of what we're doing. And everybody on the board here is very proud of what we're doing. It's, it's important. Right on, Sensei Doka. I wonder if you go uh, past Sensei Soroka to Sensei Dr. Chitosi. I just was, as I was doing a bit of reading on you, uh, Sensei Guest, I started to read about, I had a lot of things wrong. I thought that uh, Dr. Chitosi, Sensei Chitosi was a student of Funakoshi's. Um, and then I read, no, he was actually born in Naha, Okinawa, and he only moved to Tokyo um, for medical school, and I actually read that he was a grandchild of Yanomni Saru and Matsumura, that he was uh, the Ooh. maternal grand grandson of Yanomni Saru. Um, do you know anything about that, or it's okay well, if you don't? Of, no, a lot of the history. I'm not a, I'm not a, a scholar in that. A lot of the uh, the terms, a lot of the uh, philosophies, a lot of the history. Uh, I, I'm really very, very low on knowledge of it. I'm not a, I know a lot about the history of karate in Canada, some of the history in Japan, but a lot of the masters, I couldn't tell you boo about them uh, because I don't have enough knowledge. But I know that Chitose, uh, from what I understand, was not a direct student of Funakoshi, and he did practice with a lot of other masters. But when he came to Canada, and uh, sort of finalized Soroka to be the head guy in Canada. Uh, he he did seminars for us. He brought over some very top people uh, from Japan, and it was it was a good start for Cana uh, Canadian karate. He was a Satoshi Sensei was amazing. Uh, I could tell you one story about him if you'd like to hear a demonstration that he did. Love to hear. Yeah. Totally want to hear about that. Everybody wants to hear about that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we were practicing very hard the first time Chitose came to Canada. He came twice. He came once for about uh, a week. We practiced every night. And then he came two years later and he'd stayed for 21 days. We practiced 21 nights wow. straight in a row wow. and 21 days. But one of the times he was doing a, a demonstration in the dojo. And uh, Shane Higashi, who was our top student then, uh, Tsuroka said, listen, you're going to do a demonstration with uh, uh, Chitose Sensei. And Shane said, oh, great. And we're all sitting there watching, kneeling on the floor. And 
Shane said, what do you want me to do? And Satose Sensei got into a Kibadachi stance, nice, good uh, horse stance. And he told Soroka, get Mr. Hagashi to use an instep kick and kick me as hard as he can in the groin. <laughs> and all of us were going, pardon me, what? <laughs> and uh, he had no cup on. <laughs> and uh, he... Uh, he, Soroka said that to Shane, and Shane just went, Sensei, I, I, I can't do this. Uh, I'd like to help in any way I can. And he kept saying no, and Shitose was at him, do it, do it, in Japanese. And Shane went, no, no, no. Never forget this. And uh, Soroka went to Shitose, and he whispered to him. He came back, and he told Shane that Shitose said, if you don't kick him in the groin right now, hard as you can, he will go over there and kick you in the groin as hard as he can. <laughs> so Shane got into a stance I couldn't believe it he was in a good front stance and he's a strong guy and he hoofed him with an instep kick in the groin lifted him up about six inches and he just went Whoa! and then he shook it off and he stood up and he said good good he had a way of uh, retracting his testicles into his inside part where there was nothing there at all <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know how you practice for that, but I uh, goddamn well sure wouldn't be. I sure wouldn't be. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even let my grandson kick me in the balls. You know what I mean? <laughs> but let alone oh, Shane. Right. <laughs> if, he could do that, if he could do that, Sensei, he was super popular with the ladies, too, right? Like, yes. <laughs> like, you were popular with the ladies. Was, oh. And I want to know. Was that on day number one or day number twenty-one of the training? That he, he uh, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not too <laughs> sure, but uh, I know it was a pretty eventful day. Whew. It was something I never forgot. There's several several demonstrations in karate that I've seen that are something that you don't see every day. That was one of them. And uh, but Chitose so, taught. He taught well. He taught well. Normally, we don't let the same person have uh, two questions in a row, but since uh, Hanchi Burkowski is the person asking the second question, we're going <laughs> to let it go. And uh, uh, Hanchi Burkowski wants to know, uh, how will you preserve the legacy of Kaishin? Is there a person or group that will continue your mission? Uh, right now, it's sort of, uh, there's a few people out there that still practice what I do. But unfortunately, because of the COVID situation, a lot of the clubs are suffering. Uh, a lot of uh, the dojos are closing up. Associations are dwindling. Uh, it's a real battle. I feel sad for people running dojos because they may survive and they may not. As far as uh, for me, uh, I'm not working out in the dojo. I was working out in one of my black belts. Uh, I was doing classes and some private lessons in there. I've now transferred everything to my house and I'm just teaching privately. Uh, but as far as a legacy, uh, I think it's out there because everywhere I go, I meet some people that used to be with Kaishin or uh, I meet them in, in some function. So there's still a lot of people from, from, uh, from, the, you know, from the top that work their way down. Uh, they, they're still out there and uh, the legacy will always be there. I don't think we'll be forgotten uh, really, really quick because we're still, we're still part of it. Well, your name's always going to be echoed in yeah. Dojo's Legacy Show and Roof for decades to, to come. We'll still be talking about you, Sensei. So. Um, yeah, you. 
Since a guest, uh, I have the honor of asking every one of our guests what we call the 10 questions, and I can't wait to hear what your responses are. Uh, you can take as much or as little time to respond, um, but first impulses are always welcome. Uh, I'll answer that for no, I'm not going to loan you a hundred bucks. I'm sorry. Okay, so let me go with the next nine <laughs> then. Number two. <laughs> uh, will you loan me a thousand bucks? No. What is the <laughs> Question three. What is the most effective move in your martial arts arsenal? Your most effective move? Yeah. Running the other direction. Who is Works the most... for me all the time. Never get, never get hit. <laughs> Who is the most influential martial artist in your life? Well, I, I have to say Soroka amongst uh, a number of others. Um, who do you believe to be the most influential martial artist of all time and why? Wow. Uh, of all time. Well, I guess you'd have to relate it to what it does for the martial arts. Does it like people like Bruce Lee or Chuck Norris or Joe Lewis or any of these famous people? Uh, they may not be the most instrumental, the most famous, but they've done things where they promoted and brought it out to the public. It's like even people like David Carradine or Bruce Lee, who did movie acting and maybe not, you know, they were the toughest guys in the world in reality. But what they did is they, they brought it out to the public. They exposed it. So influential people like that. Uh, yeah, they influenced it in, in a different way, though. Right on. Um, what excites you most about the next five years of your training? <laughs> stay, <laughs> I want to be able to stay alive in the next five years. <laughs> my, my next birthday is I'm going to be 80. Ooh. And uh, I, unfortunately, my, I have, my arthritis is starting to act up a lot. So I'm having problems doing cuttas or balancing or doing quick turns. Sometimes just walking is tough. And uh, I take a lot of painkillers now to try and relax muscles. And uh, actually, I found something really, really good for me. Can I say things like CBD oil on this Absolutely. program? You can say whatever oh, yeah. you want. You can use Holy it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm taking that, so it helps me a lot with my pain level. And uh, I'm hoping to still teach. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be teaching privately. Uh, I've done enough class lessons, and again, you find out in classes that the loyalty, the payments of the classes, all the things you have to fight tooth and nail for, sometimes that's not worth it. But uh, my, for the next five years, I hope to stay at least mobile enough. And trust me, when I say when you get old, you'll find out all these things for yourself. All you people that are up there, you're a lot younger than me. And uh, Gary's a little closer. <laughs> but you're you're all younger than me and you'll you'll find out that uh nature takes its course and sometimes you can't be so dynamic out there as you used to be but i'm hoping to just stay with it uh, even training privately or doing a little bit of demonstration i'll still be teaching uh whoever wants to learn and i'll still be running gradings for black belts so my finger is still in it and uh, I hope to be able to last another five years. It'd be great. Let's the five of us get together. Aren't you just let's the five of us get together sometime. 
you, me, Sensei Legacy, Sensei Benson, and Sensei Suino, let's get together and train. That would be wonderful. I won't be able to do very much, but I'll be part of it. You'll lead it. You'll be leading <laughs> the show. That's right. Hey, I can do that. <laughs> All right, get in a lower stance, Sensei Legacy. Ah. Come on. <laughs> lower. I, I can do it. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Um, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive? Could you say that one again? If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you get there? Uh, holy shit, you're Jewish. Are you sure you want to come in here? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it. Yeah, that's right awesome. <laughs> um, who's your favorite film and TV martial artist? My favorite TV martial artist? Uh, wow, that's a tough question, too. Um, used to be Van Damme. I really admired him, but I'm a little off on his, his roles now. Um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, I guess I still admire the old guys like uh, you know Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris. Uh, Seagal, I'm starting to get a little tired of him as far as how he's doing it. I guess they're getting older, and um, I don't really have any great idols, or you know, I don't worship any of these guys. I like to see it because it's fun to watch. I like action movies. I like uh, cops and robbers movies. I like gangster movies. Uh, but uh, the Hollywood martial arts guys, hard to say. I, 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 I don't really admire that many of them. Yet, so it doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah. If, um, if any martial artist living or dead, uh, you could uh, train or spar with, who would it be? Oh, wow. Well, I, I would love to uh, spar again with Mr. Wallace because he made me look like a little kid on the floor last time. <laughs> I, that was a number of years ago. Now that he's getting older, uh, maybe, I could, maybe I could fool him into uh, losing it. But I would like to spar with uh, with Bill Wallace. Uh, um, who else? There's so many great people out there. Uh, uh, I guess he would probably be the one. That'd be pretty sweet to set that up for one of our punch, kick, choke chat in person yeah. weekends that we're talking about when COVID's over. Yeah. Um, well, you know, he he was uh, he was he we got him into Canada so long ago as uh, part of the. Uh, uh, Jiu-Jitsu Association. We got him uh, hooked up to do seminars with us, and uh, he didn't. He wouldn't even remember. I've I've met him a, a number of times in in Ottawa because he'd been coming to those things for the last number of years. So he he renewed my friendship again with him, but for a long period of time he just uh, was too busy doing things to even remember us up here. <coughs> but uh, wonderful martial artist, wonderful man, absolutely a scholar, a gentleman. There's only a few guys like him in martial arts. Awesome. Can I ask you, uh, um, in, in the very early years, you were the guy who first started full contact karate around this Canadian region, were you not? At the Elmwood Casino? Was I not on that card? At the Elmwood out near Windsor? Yeah. Remember yeah, well, started? that was, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, it's not many people know about that. Were you there? I was on the card, yeah. I was fighting. Me really? I, I, it's so long ago. I know. Well, I remember one thing, though. That was a bloodbath. Yeah. <laughs> that was a real bloodbath. I fought one uh, of your students. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, Donnie Honigan, he got uh, he got really taken out, literally taken out. Uh, but no, I ran that tournament, I ran that function, me and Mike Slokey. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Wally Slokey's brother. Yeah. Uh, we ran that together. We put a lot of work into that and a lot of effort, it, you know, and it paid off a little bit financially, but it really wasn't a big winner. But it was exciting doing it because it was one of the first kickboxing events ever run. So you actually helped pioneer that as well. Yeah, no, that was it. I, I almost forgot about it. Most people don't even know about it. It was yeah. in a big nightclub in the casino. Yeah. And uh, boy, a lot of strange people in there. Guys walking around with the, the big hats and the big suits and the gold. And uh, it was a bunch of characters in there. Mm -hmm. And then when the ring got up there and they started fighting, a lot of brutal fights. I remember Mick, my, Mick and Martin McNamara, they had a couple of guys there. Uh, we put some, I, I didn't even realize that you'd fought there. It's been so long in my mind. Uh, but that, yeah, that was, that was history back then. Thanks for reminding me about that. Thanks. Man. Sensei Copeland's dojo currently on Dougal Avenue is like, maybe you could run from Sensei Copeland's dojo to the Elmwood Casino. And I don't know if you're Sensei Suino, you could run there in like four or five minutes. <laughs> yes, if, you're average, if you're an average person, you're going to run there in like 10 minutes. <laughs> um, Hanchi Lexi, do you remember who your opponent was in that fight? He, I believe he's a, a black gentleman, and I think he was from your club. Was he not? Uh, from my club? Uh, yes, I believe oh, so. Okay, then that that was the one. Okay, yeah, he uh, he got he got nailed. He got you did uh, a good uh, job on him. But that that's was, what <laughs> you were there for. Uh, that was uh, Donnie Honigan. Don yeah. Honigan. I never did know who punched him out. It was just, the whole thing was just a night of like, go, go, yeah. go. And everything was whirling so fast. He yeah. didn't have time to differentiate who was who. Put on another match. Put a, my, put my point was to add to another feather to your mm -hmm. cap that you were actually probably one of the original person. Or you were the person to start the original kickboxing. You, yeah, well, you, it, was, uh, did that. it was exciting. And I know... Uh, I know Mike uh, was really, really hepped up. He was a uh, Mike Slokey did a lot of work on that as well. So, uh, you know, the credit went uh, a lot to him as well. So, yeah, it was, it was I, part of it was part of some of the things we did back then, uh, uh, Gary. It was just, you know, you got involved whenever you wanted to get involved with. If there was something running, you tried it, you did it. Yeah. That was that was part of the fun back then. That's uh, that's actually. How Sensei Legacy became friends with Sensei Chapman is because of that fight in the Elmwood Casino with your student. Uh, yeah. Sensei Legacy bumped into Sensei Chapman at a future date in a different place. And he said, uh, I remember Sensei Legacy when you fought this person from our club. He was on his back so he was on his back so much that we thought about putting uh, advertisement on the bottom <laughs> of his feet um, to help promote our dojo. <laughs> no, they were they were good matches. They were good matches. Yeah. I was glad I think, when the whole night was over, though it was like, ooh. right. I think Leo Lux was fighting on that card too. Actually, to be honest with you, um, I think Leo is on that card as well. Yeah. yeah, I don't. My my memory sometimes fades. I don't have a list of all the total guys, but I, I know Leo very well. He came down and uh, 
became a, a guest at one of the big tournaments I was running. And uh, he put on a, a, a kickboxing demonstration for us. And, well, uh, since Leo, a guest, one thing you could do is you could always reach out to uh, Hunchy Patrick McCarthy. He has a bunch of video footage of that event. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah, because when I was in a Dead Chapman's dojo in Driftwood here in Kitchener, um, and I was talking to um, talking to him, he got his computer out and started showing video footage of those fights. And um, so Sensei McCarthy has all that information if you ever want to wow. reach out to him. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, that was a part of the history. I mean, we were working so hard and sweating and just trying to get the thing run that sometimes you don't recall what's going on as much as whether the event is continuing, whether it's going to finish, whether everything is going to go well without too many injuries. So the actual events and all the persons that were fighting is not in your mind as much as let's get this thing done. Yeah. Yeah. But I would like to review that just to maybe see my face when I was that young. <laughs> um, Sensei, uh, you touched on this before, but if everyone in the world could have the greatest benefit you've gotten from martial arts, whether they train or not, what would it be? The greatest benefit? Yeah. Well, the benefit would be, uh, I guess, self-esteem, confidence, uh, assurance, uh, uh, making you feel better about who you are. Mm. Most most people who took karate up were very insecure. The majority of people were insecure. I guess just like I was, I wanted to be a tougher guy than who I was. But after a while, you start to learn uh, uh, not to be so, inse so insecure, to have that self-esteem. Uh, you know, it, it makes you a stronger person inside. Uh, I don't like when I judge people, I don't judge people by how good they are in the dojo, how tough they are as a teacher or a student. You know how I judge people that take karate, especially if they're running schools. I judge the person by when they close the dojo up, they take the key, they lock the dojo, they come, they turn around and they go out. And once they get out on that street, that's where I judge them. I don't uh -huh. judge them by what they do in the dojo. Anybody could be top gun in the dojo, anybody. But once they lock that door and go out into the big world, let's see who you are and what you are. What kind of a person are you? Are you strong? Are you kind? Are you loving? Uh, you know, I judge people like that. But most most, karate, most karate helps. It, it makes you a better person. What's that, Hanchi? That's what all the greats say, because they all reach the same conclusion after years and years of training. Those guys who've trained 10 years, 20 years, 25 years, uh, you're not going to get all the secrets. All the things that martial arts has to give doesn't give it to quitters, even at 20, 25, 30 years. The guys who last a lifetime are the guys who reap the real rewards. Everything else is just uh, leaving yourself short a little bit. Mm. So people who claim, well, they, Fighting is better, karate is better. You need it all, and you need it for your lifetime, in my opinion. And I believe that's that's what you are, Sensei. Yep. Thanks, Anji. Um, the last of the 10 questions, uh, Sensei guest, greatest achievement, greatest regret? <laughs> Boy, these are tough questions. 
greatest achievement, uh, I guess, putting together some of the uh, things in the martial arts where we, uh, I guess one of the things was in the earlier days, uh, I believe it was in 71, we put together a huge uh, program at the Downsview Arena in the Toronto area. And it was a martial arts night, Canada. And that was the first time that we got all the martial arts together. And, you know, cause a lot of politics back then. Yeah. We got karate, judo, kendo, aikido, jujitsu, kickboxing, hapkido. Uh, we had, and all the top guys. I contacted each one of the top guys in Canada in that. We even had uh, Sensei Sloki from kickboxing and Joe Lewis from kickboxing. They were part of the program. So we had every major top name in the same place. Uh, and that's not easy to do. Mm. And back then it was very difficult because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Korean, you're Chinese, uh, he's Japanese, he's Caucasian, you know, but we got them all together. We put on a marvelous program. Uh, I still have the program in one of the big frames that I have in, the, in one of the other rooms. And that was a real achievement, I guess, if I look back at things. And, and I used to like trying to get different people together from different martial arts and be more open-minded. That's why we chose the name open-minded for our dojo. And yeah. for me, that was a big accomplishment and uh, uh, gave me a lot of satisfaction. A bunch of the functions that I ran, we had a lot of top guys come in from different places and different arts. And we started to get people to learn to work together. And uh, I guess maybe I influenced other people a little bit by learning how to talk to people and getting them to be together in the same room. And uh, we could use a little bit more of that even now today. Mm. So that would be my achievement. Uh, what was the other one? My regret? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> my regret. Uh, I guess that, uh, I don't know. There's not a whole lot that I really regretted. Uh, there were some tough times, some things I couldn't do, some things I couldn't accomplish, some bad things that happened to me, but they, they're all part of life. I, I don't think I have any real regrets uh, because everything that I experienced was part of my life, and uh, I'm, I'm just glad it happened to me. So regrets, not really that much. Mm. You know, maybe I'd be better looking. <laughs> Maybe I could be richer. Yeah, that was it. I wanted to be richer. It's <laughs> a good regret. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I don't regret anything. I just regret the fact that uh, uh, inevitably we all have to age. But that's not a regret either. Like I was telling you, Sasha Gary, uh, I'm happy that I'm getting old. A lot of people that I knew before never got the chance to get old. So yes. I'm really, really lucky. I'm happy. The only thing worse than, than getting old is not getting old, right? That's right, yes. Yeah, so uh, so I have no regrets, so I hope that's a good answer. Thanks, Sensei. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, when, when, when you say things like, uh, I could talk about so-and-so for two hours, or we could get into this for two hours, it really hurts that it's already after 10. And, oh, you're... Uh, are you kidding? No, I'm I not kidding. You, I? It, <laughs> no way. It's really painful to stop this because wow. any one of the things you mentioned, I'd be happy to sit for two hours starting now, as wow. you told us about those things. And uh, and I'm I sorry that can't happen. 
the way we take the show out, Sensei, is starting with Hanshi Legacy, we're all going to each say a little something about our experience with you tonight, uh, ending with me, and then we'll give you the last word. Uh, and that's how we're going to go oh. out. So, oh, Legacy, oh that's, that's yeah. neat. Yeah. Super. Well, uh, an old friend, somebody that was already a black belt when I came in, and an icon. He, he's an icon. And guys, uh, the guys like Sensei Guest is, the great guys don't know they're great. And he's just one of those guys. Thanks, Hachi. Okay. Um, Sensei Suino? Yeah, I, I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try to thread this together. Um, one of my favorite parts, many favorite parts of this show we do is the way Randy always uh, brings everything together. He takes detailed notes and kind of reviews things that left an impression on him. So I don't, I, I, I have a long list as well, uh, but rather than go into that list, um, uh, since I guess, you know, um, back in, I think 1991 or 92, when I first met Gary Legacy, um, one of the things that attracted me to him as a martial artist was his, he radiates old school values. The, the, the old traditions, uh, the, the quiet strength, um, and, and, and loyalty and everybody on this call, everybody you can see on this call, right. Just lives into that principle so deeply. Um, I I've said this on many calls, but I just, I'm so happy that we got to have this opportunity to chat. I'm hoping we can do it again because, because these are the groups that the, the lifetime, you know, Hanchi Legacy said, you know, he, he, he called people that do martial arts for 30 years quitters. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, um, <laughs> so, um, but, but, but um, this group of, of, of people who do light, who do martial arts for 40, 50, 60, you know, their whole lives. Right. Um, I think, I, I think, and I hope we're helping to, we're helping to bridge the the old time values to modern times, mm -hmm. and I really hope you know that I've had a, a fraction of the influence that you've had on people. I'm certain that uh, you've got students all over the world that are keeping your keeping those values alive because of their time with you. Just thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, uh, Nicholas. Thank you. Thanks, Sensei. Sensei Dauphin. Oh man, I got to put my glasses on. Uh, so since I guess I always write these notes as Sensei Suino alluded to, um, I think it's super cool. Like, just like Daniel LaRusso, you started learning karate from a book. Um, Daniel LaRusso is the karate, the original karate kid, by the way, in case you don't know that reference. So, um, I think it's super cool that you struck a karate stance once and that ended the fight. <laughs> like it really works. <laughs> if that didn't work, I could have hit him over the head with the book. <laughs> um, I really like that since the Soroka made you sit there and watch for two, three classes and clean the floor before you could get out on the floor and do something. I wasn't joking when I said uh, we should bring that back. Every karate instructor who's watching this should contemplate bringing that back. Um, if we do it, it'll be good for the kids of today. Um, I like that you said that Sensor Froko is a father figure to you. That's something that you and I, I always look for things that are uh, uh, common, like that I can relate to. And 
I'm happy that my sensei and your sensei, we both have the same feeling about them, that they're like a father figure. Um, I like that you said that your first part with kendo gear on. Um, it's pretty cool that you and Tony Facetti got your yellow belt together. That's something that everybody should remember. Because uh, he got his yellow belt from me. Oh, he got his yellow belt from you. Oh, yeah, okay. he was my he was my student as a kid. He joined my Saturday morning kids classes at Sorokas. I taught on Saturdays for kids, and he was a student there. And he trained, and he got his yellow belt through me. Well, thank you for that clarification. That's an <laughs> important okay. clarification in my brain and for everybody. Actually, if I um, can bring it up. When I first trained, there were no yellow belts. I know we're out of time, but we got white belt, green belt, brown belt, and then black belt. Yeah. So there was one white, you trained from white belt to white belt, then from white belt to green belt, then from green belt to three brown belts, and then from the third brown belt, you got your black. And we only changed into the yellow, orange, green, blue, brown after Frank Hitashida talked with Soroka Sensei and convinced him change the belt system because the old way won't work and thank goodness he did because it sort of revolutionized uh, the the grant ranking system sorry well, i'm no no please don't apologize <laughs> uh that's the same uh belt system that sensuino uses in his judo program so that's uh that's nice and well, it's white, nice white green brown and black oh crip that's the old way yep. old school yep 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 so wow. it's good to hear that. And I, I like to hear Frank Hadashida's name brought up over and over again, because uh, actually I was, I was there a couple of weeks ago talking to his son, Roman Hadashida. And I said, you wow. should log into this call because your, your dad's name keeps getting brought up over and over again. So um, Frank Hadashida was one of the most influential martial artists in Canada. He was in there in the early fifties teaching judo. Yeah, I was, so, I was yeah. lucky enough to teach karate at his club. One of the best experiences in my life. Yeah, Hanchi Terrian talks about him as well. And I know Sensei Legacy has a long history with him as well. So, yeah. Unbelievable. Great. Yeah. Uh, it was really good for me. Like, you know, I mentioned about my son being named Benjamin, Benny, Benny Dauphin. Um, I loved hearing you talk about Benny Allen and his power. Um, that he was a white guy who was accepted in Chinatown. So thank you. I'm going to take that away. Uh, I also liked when you said you're a black belt. Monty will take care of it. You said Monty won't take care of anything. I'm the closest guy to the door. I like that. <laughs> How many times have you had that done to you, Gary? Don't worry about it. Gary's here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Right. yeah. Uh, I really, I'm, I, uh, I super admire your comments about Spencer Soka's wife uh, and her being the first uh, lady black belt. That your words, lady black belt in Canada. Um, that's great. Uh, the two words that kept coming up are loyalty and commitment. You said that many, many times. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm gonna think about that a lot, loyalty and commitment. I've only I've only got 30 years in, but I hope I can get another 30, I hope I can get another 30 to 40 year in. And uh, I can promise you that my loyalty to the people on this call is not, not gonna end anytime soon. Um, 
I liked when you said there's a difference between admiration and inspiration that you admired some people and some people inspired you and the list of people that inspired you are like the absolute greats right you said that since the Soroka number one uh Higashi I put an underline and an exclamation mark that he inspired you and then you mentioned Kwai Wong, Benny Allen, Bob Dugleish, Tony Facetti, Sam Wong, Mo Chow, Ron Forster, um, uh, Larry Nakamura. And I'm sorry if I missed any of the ones, but I was, no, no, I was no, rushing no. to write it down. Um, no, uh, they're all, all inspirations, all of them. Wow. It's going to stand out to me. I'm going to think about this a lot. Um, that you know, it's not about how you are in the dojo, but you judge a person by how they leave the dojo. What are they like when they mm -hmm. leave the dojo? That's, that's a good thing. Uh, I've seen lots of pictures of uh, Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau. Honestly, like, I think it's fucking amazing that you were standing there next to him when he was awarded his black belt. Like, that's, he's one of the greatest Canadian prime ministers uh, ever. Um, I really like that you were brave enough tonight to just talk about why you left Francis uh, mm -hmm. Soroka. That's and how you came back to him, um, and really that the reason why you left is because you demanded respect for Canada. Yeah. Like that's the reason why you left, and that that's the only reason. That's the only reason, and I'm telling the truth, and I don't lie. So, you know. yeah, I I believe you, Sensei. You trained with uh, Chichosi for 21 days and 21 nights. There's, I don't know anybody else who can claim that. Uh, I like what you said. Kaishin is open mind. Um, you know, your most effective move is to run in the other direction. I tell that people all the time. I, I live that now. Uh, you know, since you said you're going to be 80 on your next birthday. You couldn't walk past me on the street where I wouldn't like stop and give you a hug and recognize who you are. You look the same to me as you did 30 years ago when I first met you. So um, <laughs> good living, karate, good living, right? Um, you know, the greatest gift. Um, if people could be open, more open-minded, we need that today more than ever. Like that's there's everything so tribal now. People are like, yeah, if your opinion doesn't align with my opinion, you're a bad person, you're a good person. That's the greatest gift. If everybody could be more open-minded, um, the world would be a better place. A hundred percent. You're right, Randy. Yeah. And uh, one thing, I'm going to write it on the whiteboard tonight. I'm going to write it up there. Uh, the only word, thing that the only thing that is worse than getting old is not getting old, right? Thank you so much. Uh, okay. Thank you so much, Sensei Guest, for uh, being here tonight. I, uh, I'm so grateful to know you and to have this time. And before Sensei Suino says it, we got to have you back for like 15 more calls so we can hear everything you have to say. <laughs> Thank you Thanks. very much. Thank you. 
Uh, I'm going to do uh, two quick housekeeping things before I say my piece and give it over to uh, Sensei Guest. I just want to thank the people who always make Punch, Kick, Choke, Chat possible. Robert Shlumsky, Mike Russell, Victoria Feth, Justin Shea, Alden Adair, and Andre Sedeshev. Thank you so much. Next week, please sign up. We have Sensei Sam Maledsky and the week after Sensei Randy Dauphin. Sensei Dauphin? Yeah, I just want to say when you're thanking Justin Shea, he got in a car tonight in Kitchener with a computer and drove to Mississauga to sit there with Sensei right there. He's right yeah. there. Yeah. So eating, eating when you're banana. He's eating banana bread. Ah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So now I don't feel as bad for him. I feel more jealous. So um, if he doesn't bring a piece of banana bread back. <laughs> He's waiting. I like this. Um, Sensei, the, the, the thing I, I just want to touch on two quick things before I give it back to you. The, the Canadian identity. I mean, I, I, I had a turning point in martial arts and it was realizing that it has to be something that's done here now. Not that harkens only back the roots, yes, but not not some worship of a time that isn't now, and a and a practice that isn't now. And when you talk about being one of the pioneers of the Canadian identity, I just thank you for that. I really do. Um, and then the other thing, you know, tonight is the anniversary of the first ever UFC, and I don't think those people in 1993 tonight knew what was going to come of the thing. And hearing you talk and. Hanchi Legacy touched on it with those kickboxing tournaments and that kind of thing. I just love how much you may not have known back in 1961 and every day since, how much a part you were going to be of what this has become in this country and in this continent. And I just want to thank you for that because I think it's fitting that, you know, a bunch of guys put on an event, they don't know what it's going to become. And similarly, you walk up some stairs at Lansdowne and Queen and next thing you know, 60 years have passed and you've had all those students and and we're still sitting in front of you learning from you tonight. So the last word goes to you, but I just want to say thanks. Well, you're welcome. And I just want to thank all you people that are on that uh, board there that you've got. Uh, you're, the concept of what you're doing is really, really interesting. I didn't know how it would go. And I didn't know if I could even last 90 minutes. And then you told me it was like 10 o'clock already. I went, oh my God. What you're doing is good. You're getting the records of history and you're handling it in a really good way. And you're asking good questions and whoever is organizing it, which is all you guys, uh, you're doing a great job. I'm very, very proud to be part of this because it's run well, it's done well. And I'm glad to be part of something that's done that well. So thank you for allowing me to be there. It's been my honor. Thank you. Thank you, Sensei. Um, everybody will see you in a week. Uh, be safe, be good to each other, and uh, can't wait. Sensei Dofin, you want to take us out with anything, or is that just? Yeah, I Thank just you. want to say that that uh, next Thursday we have Sensei Sam Maledsky, who we met through doing this. I didn't know much about Sensei Maledsky, and I'm embarrassed to say that, uh, but I've learned so much about him since, and uh, I'm super excited next Thursday to be able to talk about him we've talked a lot about Sensei Soroka and uh, Sensei Maledsky sent me these two books on his own dime he sent these uh, out and yeah so I'm super excited to be talking to him next week and I hope everybody signs in to talk with him
Amazing. Thanks, everybody. Thank you all, senseis and hanchis. It's it's an honor and a pleasure. Hanchi Legacy. Sorry, what's going on, Hanchi? Yeah. No, I'm just, just I'm just waving bye to Monty. It's great to bye, see you. Bye, Gary. Everybody. Thank you for allowing me to be part of it. Thank you. Okay. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much.